everybody. Welcome to the OETA Movie Club podcast. I'm the director of the show, Jeff Mareva, and I'm here with our host, Mr. Robert Birch. How are you doing, Jeff? I am doing great. How are you doing today? I'm great. This is, uh, this is a good, uh, this should be a good show. We're, it's gonna uh, be we've a got good a great show. movie here. Yeah, it, yeah this is going to be a fun one. Um, so this is the OETA Movie Club podcast. We come to you each week. We discuss our upcoming movies that we show each weekend on OETA, Saturday nights at 9. Yeah. And uh, this week, our movie is Arsenic and Old Lace. Which, um, you know, I, we were talking, I've never done this play when I was in high school or college, uh, uh, but you've seen it done I've, several I've times. I've seen it right? done several times, yeah, my high school did it, um, but, uh, but yeah, I've, I've seen it a few times, and uh, uh, needless to say, it's, it's a fun one, it's, it's pretty cool. They do um, this a lot in like community theater, yeah, and high school and high college. High school college, yeah. yeah, it is, it's a very, very... Um, popular uh-huh. stage stage show of this. Well, apparently um, it was very popular on Broadway. It was, and we were talking about this before. The, the reason we were talking, I was about to say this movie was released in 1943, uh-huh. um, but it was actually shot in 1941. Tell, right. that, tell that story real quick. Well, um, about a week before the end of filming, uh, the Japanese were so impertinent that they dropped some bombs on Pearl Harbor and started World War II. Yeah, and uh, so Frank Capra was in a hurry to uh, to get to the Signal Corps. Uh, he entered the army as a major and went and, and filmed documentaries that we watched in high school uh, yeah. about World War II. Um, I think it's Why We Fight, the Why We Fight series. Um, that, um, but he had a lot of changes that he had planned on making in the film. He didn't get around to doing that because he was in a hurry to get off. So. Um, the Broadway producers had uh, a contract with Warner Brothers that said you can't premiere the film until the end of the Broadway run. And I guess nobody expected <laughs> to have a run that went like two years. Yeah, years, yeah. Um, yeah, it was over a thousand performances. Wow. And uh, so then um, uh, during that time, um, Jack Warner, you know, he wanted to. He wanted to make some money off of this, you know, he put a lot of money into it. And so he, he says, well, in the contract it doesn't say that I can't show it overseas to our soldiers. So they, you know, they showed that overseas and then, um, you know, in 43, by the end of the run, they were able to go ahead and premiere the film. Yeah. Um, uh, Frank Capra was already overseas uh, shooting his documentary and he hears one of the uh, the troops yell charge like uh, like the Teddy Roosevelt character right. in the film, and he just assumed that he had seen it, and he didn't know that Jack Warner had released it for the troops to watch. Wow, that's so awesome! Yeah, I love so all, all the behind the scenes stuff because there's another really great little Easter egg, if you will, uh-huh. in here. Um, Cary Grant's birth name, right? Archie, Archie Leach. Leach. Archie Leach um, actually appears on the tombstone in the cemetery uh-huh. at Brewster's house. Yeah. Right. I just love that stuff. Well, um, and, and there's another reference too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in Grant's earlier picture, His Go Friday, um, his character Walter responded to a threat by saying, listen, the last man that said that to me was Archie Leach just a week before he cut his throat. <laughs> As a gag, of course. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, he was, apparently that Mr. Leach was uh, put in the Brooklyn Cemetery by Brewster's home. So. He did not like his, his name. You know, uh, I, I'm not sure Archie Ar- Leach Archie would Leach. have been a great it's, heartthrob. It's, yeah, I don't like the name Archie, it's the right. Leach. 
Yeah. Archie Leach. Mm. There's a lot of ch -ch -ch. Archie Leach. Uh -huh. <laughs> Archie Leach. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that voice saying that. Yeah. I'm Archie Leach. Um, yeah, Cary Grant is a much better name. Well, um, and, and so like 20 years before they made this film, you know, long before he was famous, um, the actress Gina Dare had helped nurse a very ill vaudeville performer, uh, you know, back to health. His name was Archie Leach. It was Cary Grant. She had helped him um, get back to, you know, he was very sick. She had nursed him. And uh, when she was asked to reprise her Broadway arsenic and old lace role as Aunt Martha for this film, Adair and Cary Grant were old friends. She, yeah. you know, she's the one that had nursed wow. him back to hell. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would have changed my name too. Archie, Archie Leach. Um, Cary Grant said that in a, in one of his interviews about this movie, he said that he thought his acting, he didn't necessarily like it at first because he thought his acting was so over the top. And it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of yeah. is. But to be fair, every time I've ever seen this movie, the three or four times I've seen it on stage, it's always over the top. I uh -huh. mean, it, it's not, I wouldn't say this show is slapstick per se, that's not the right term, but it kind of has a little bit of that kind of over the top comedy, cheesy comedy to it, you know. Um, so it has to be. So it has. The to, acting kind of has to be that. Yeah, it kind of has to be uh -huh. over the top, but apparently he, he just. Yeah, it was not his favorite film. He called it his least film. favorite, he, yeah. yeah. his least favorite film. Um, he, but you know, years later, he he says, "Well, Frank Capra did that. Uh, it was his idea, but you know, it worked for the film." Yeah. Then you know, some people, you know, there's always naysayers, you know, and they say, "Well, he's he's blaming Frank Capra, right? Of course, for that." But you know, there's no blame. This is a, a truly great film. It is. It is. It's one of those. I'm sure at the time he felt like, "Why am I? This is so over. Yeah. I'm so overacting." Uh -huh. But I think with time, and you watch it, and you're like, "Well, no, it, it's appropriate." Well, and Jack Carson too. He yeah. was uh, prodding him to do the same thing. Of course, you had these stage actors. That you know are used to playing to the balcony anyway, right? right? Yep. And so, uh, but uh, really, the way that he pushes Cary Grant's care, you know, to to go over the top like that, um, it kind of makes them look sort of sedated by by comparison, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought uh, it was cool. I didn't know this until I started researching that Boris Car Boris Karloff. Karloff. Yeah. Um, I didn't know he played Jonathan Brewster on stage. I had, yes. I had no idea. Was that in the original Broadway show? In the, in the original Broadway production, and he was such a success. Um, you know, they, you know, he had done Frankenstein prior to this, yeah. and um, so he was a big box office draw. And the producers, the, he let um, Josephine Hull and Gina Dare, who were also in the Broadway production, the, pro the producers of the Broadway production, let them go ahead and, and go do the film, Yeah. but they would not let Boris Karloff out of his contract. Oh, wow. And, and, and you know, he was, he, his entire life, he was upset that he wasn't able to do this. Yeah, said he really wanted to do this film, um, but was, wasn't able to, of course, um, because of like you just said, but, but yeah, and then of course Raymond Massey, Right, who basically is kind of doing a, an impression a Boris of Carlin, yeah, I know, right? Exactly. I mean, Jack Warner wanted him so bad that he was willing he was willing to trade Humphrey Bogart, yeah, to take over the Broadway role while um, Boris Karloff was filming, and they wouldn't go for it. They wow. wanted Karloff and nobody else. Wow. Well, 
At least uh, they knew what they wanted, I guess. Well, and they must have known <laughs> something because it ran for over a thousand times. That's know, a thousand true. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Um, one of the really interesting, and I don't know why I'm laughing at this, because I'm morbid, basically. <laughs> um, I'm laughing because I'm morbid. Um, you, uh, for the show, we, we talked about this bit on what you, you talk about on the show about America's most prolific female serial killer. Yeah. So Amy Archer Gilligan. That's who this is uh, patterned after. It's pa- This movie is patterned after her, yeah. Gilligan! Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know the number of. I've heard. I knew the name, and I knew that she was the um, most prolific, most killingest, yeah, <laughs> yeah. serial killer. Um, but I had no idea that there were so many. So I knew about her two husbands. Right. She poisoned her two husbands, and then I knew she had poisoned people at the um, nursing home that she worked at. Right. I didn't know it was allegedly sixty-six. Sixty-six people which makes her the most prolific M- M- serial killer of in all America. time uh, female female yeah of all time i think the male is way beyond that i oh, think God, uh, probably i can't remember which, um, which guy it was yeah, but because yeah. men are stupid <laughs> no um yeah 66 66 uh-huh. uh, and of course and her two husbands and she killed him how and it was all with arsenic. <laughs> arsenic was her weapon of choice. Yes, it was. The um, you know the production code administration asked uh, the filmmakers at Warner to tone down the uh, the um, uh, well. There was a, a recipe for this that they give in the in the film, right? Which is like arsenic and strychnine and uh, two or three other things, right. and then like. Uh, Something sweet. It's like a sweet drink, right? And and so they they were like a little nervous about you know should you really put that right. out there? Exactly. Should we be telling people? Yeah, that? because you know, bomb. for copycat reasons, you know. Right. I don't think you have to worry about that in 1943, but Maybe. today yeah. probably you know Maybe. yeah you could get some. Yeah, unfortunately, we get that sort of thing now. Yeah, of course. So another thing that uh, I thought was cool about Cary Grant in this movie. Um, he, uh, the reason he got the role of Mortimer Brewster uh-huh. um, was because of his removal from the Warner Brothers production, The Man Who Came to Dinner. Oh. So Grant had been briefly cast as Sheridan Whiteside in that film. However, pressure from the theater, film industry, and the public for Monty Woolley to be cast instead. Ooh, led, Monty Woolley. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a big name. All his big pictures, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, M- Monty Woolley um, led to Grant being ousted from that uh, that's movie. That's amazing. Yeah. That Cary Grant, they knock out Cary Grant to get One Monty most, Woolley, yeah. the famous Monty Woolley, to, to, to take the role instead of him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we wouldn't have we this wouldn't great have picture. This movie. Yeah, he wouldn't have gone on to, to, to get this role. Right. But, uh, yeah, um, he, he, I mean, he, Cary Grant in an interview said, like, like I said, this was one of his least favorite. He said he thought he was over right. the top. Um, he did interviews and talked about how, you know, he, na- he would name names who could have done the role better. Really? And, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, um, he said, um, and he named a couple people. He thought someone um, like, uh, like any of the Broadway plays leads that had done it or even James Stewart. Oh, well, Jimmy Stewart could have been good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? But, you know, I feel like anytime we do a podcast and we have Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart, they both have the same, I don't know if insecurity is the right word, but they all have the same, like, I'm not a good actor. That should have gone to that person. Really? Or, yeah, it seems, it seems like I read huh. that a lot. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Who's Cary Grant. Just, a really brilliant actor. Yeah. yeah. But they're just, you know, they're always like, oh. 
You know, like yeah. uh, we had the Lady Killers on, and Alec Guinness was talking about how how it shouldn't Alistair have been, Crowley. Yeah, it shouldn't have been him. It should have been Alistair and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm like, man, Alec Guinness is a genius. Like, right. like, what are you talking about? So he Be ends proud up of yourself. doing an Alistair on. Crowley imitation <laughs> yeah, for exactly. the film, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Warner Brothers actually suggested when they couldn't get Boris Karloff, um, they suggested Humphrey Bogart. Well, okay. That would have been yeah. interesting. And they had wanted to trade him. Yeah, they wanted to. The, I guess, well, maybe we could use him. You know, yeah. Humphrey, uh, I don't know. Raymond Massey is good in this. Raymond Massey's probably the the person. If you're not going to get Karloff, yeah. this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, the, Raymond Massey's the, awesome. The selection yeah. for this. Yeah. But that would have been cool to see Boris Karloff. And he's got, you know, a little bit of a range here. Here, here he's doing comedy. Right, we just had him a few weeks ago in East of Eden, mm-hmm. in that really, really, you know, intense uh, dramatic role with James Dean, who he didn't get along with. Yeah, I think we mentioned that a couple. We times. mentioned that a little bit. <laughs> um, and so, speaking, you know, on the Broadway thing, you know, that like you said, they had to wait till forty three to release it because of all the Broadway runs and everything. Uh-huh. Well, they also loaned out. A couple actresses to the film from the Broadway, and right. Frank Capra was forced to pay twenty-five thousand dollars a piece <gasps> to the Broadway plays producers. Doesn't say how many producers there were, uh-huh. but let me tell you, Broadway plays have several producers. Oh, I mean, really? multiple producers. Yeah. Twenty-five thousand a piece, and maybe they didn't have as many producers back in the forties. Yeah, but nowadays, a Broadway show has seven, eight producers. You know, oh. what I mean, like. Um, Yellow stock and blue. <laughs> stock and blue. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, they leaned out um, Gina Dare and Josephine Hole. Yeah. So they were from the Broadway show. I didn't. Well, know that. and they went to their but, graves thinking that Karloff had uh, uh, given his blessing, and yeah. that, you know that he he didn't you know he, he didn't, didn't want it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. he did, you know, he didn't feel any animosity towards the producers, and <laughs> oh, that was wrong. That was he wrong. Was, he did get to do he did get to do the role. Twenty years later, they did a TV version of um, of Arsenic and Old Lace, right? And he got to play the part that he had made famous on Broadway. Twenty years later, but uh, you know, not with all the original cast, and and uh, you know, it's not going to live on forever, right? Like it does, you know, in film, right? Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the Halloween aspect of this movie because right. I thought it was really funny because I hadn't seen this movie in, in, a, in quite a while and uh-huh. I hadn't seen the stage show in quite a while. And so watching it again, I was like, I forgot this took place kind of around Halloween. And here we are right around, right around Halloween. Halloween. Um, but I thought it was funny because I read that they actually intentionally used low-key, kind of very dim lighting to kind of accentuate that Halloween tone. Well, and there's like wispy clouds, you know, a full moon outside. Yeah, he brought in several backgrounds, several Uh like theatrical backdrops, paintings. And Uh, there's a cemetery right next to the Brewster house. Um, You know, uh, so it's sort of, you know, it's a, it's a, a, an eerie setting for, for this. And, you know, uh, if you look on one of those headstones, it says, Archie Leach. Yep. On on which yeah. was Cary Grant's. Oh yeah, I love uh, it. Real name. I know. I love that stuff. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, plus, I just love his actual name, Archie Leach. Archie Leach. Archie Leach. <laughs> um, so Cary Grant donated his salary for this film to the Allied wartime charities. Uh-huh. I didn't well, know. Well, now there's uh, uh, 
Or at um, least 100,000 of it, it says. Right, right. It says he earned 100,000 or more, uh-huh. and then he donated 100,000. They were, 100, they were it's sort of vague as to actually who got the money. They know it went yeah. to charity, right. right? And there was $100,000. But did it go to the U.S. Relief Fund, or did it go to the British um, uh, World War II right. uh, Fund? Uh, they were... No one really knows, but they uh-huh. know it was a hundred thousand dollars that he, yeah. um, and that maybe he had made a hundred and sixty thousand on it, kept the sixty and gave, you know, some. But it's yeah, it's kind of a uh, a question that right. no one knows the real answer to. Um, so some of the other people that were thought of for this role really cracked me up. Uh huh. I was I I just couldn't believe it. Ronald Reagan. Uh, really. Ronald Reagan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy. Okay. Um, I yeah. mean, you know, granted, this was years before the president, right, and stuff like that. This is, you know, when he first was starting his acting career and stuff. Who but, knows? It could have yeah. made him a comedy actor. Maybe. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe he would have become a comedic actor and never gone into politics. Politics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Jack Benny was also offered the role huh. of Mortimer Brewster. Yeah. Um, turned it down. Um, and then the one who was offered it and wanted to do it, but then uh, couldn't, was Bob Hope. He was actually offered oh, the yeah. role and was eager to do it, but Paramount Pictures yeah. refused right. to loan him out to Their Warner big Brothers. Star. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, um, so yeah. Um, and you know, then, I was just uh, Bob Hope. I was just thinking, you know, uh, you know, see a lot of people do imitations, um, but nobody can do Bob Hope. Rich, Rich Little used to talk about. He used to say, "You know, um, I've seen people try, but I've never seen a good like someone nail it yeah. imitation of Bob Hope." That's true. I, I haven't either. And you know, his uh, maybe it's just the. Uh, I mean, say like his partner Bing Crosby. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody yeah. Crosby, right? He's you <laughs> yeah. know, you know, kind of. You, there's always these hooks that you can right. get into. Yeah. But Bob Hope doesn't really have that. Yeah. It's it's a more of an everyman type of voice, but it's certainly one that you recognize if you heard it on the radio. If you heard it on television, you'd recognize it instantly. Yeah. But then, you know, how is it that you can't? That no one can really get that. I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, this uh, the Brewster house. The interior scenes um, were all shot in sequence. And again, for a nerd like me who loves the back behind the scenes stuff, uh-huh. to shoot an uh, entire scene in sequence, that no one does that. No, no one. It's does expensive. That. It's expensive it's and it's hard. And but they did it. Yeah. And um, so I thought that was a really cool fact. Because you got to shut down all the lights. I mean, you know right. this, right? Yeah. From your position. You know how long it takes to reset. Oh yeah. And so you know you're gonna you move all the lights and move the camera and get everything reset in the next room. When you know you could just shoot every scene that happens in that one in the kitchen. In the kitchen, exactly. Shoot it all there, and then you move to the living room and shoot yeah. all the living room scenes. Yeah. Makes a lot more financial sense. Oh yes, it does. And that's what one of my things I love. We talked about is you know I love it when movies shoot the clothes before they shoot anything else. Uh-huh. So, so well, we shot the last scene of the movie today. Oh, the first day of this <laughs> filming. Yeah, yeah. Shot the last film. Gone with the Wind. Scene. The first scene is the first scene that they shot was yeah um, the burning the of fire. Atlanta. Yeah. And they hadn't even cast Vivian Lee yet. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I and didn't then, even know they hadn't cast her yet. Wow. Once, yeah, because um, somebody asked her, uh, hey, you know, like, it was a big deal in Hollywood. They were going to clear 
the um, it's called the 40 acres and um, it you know like uh, several uh, sets there from like the prisoner of Zenda and King Kong the big oh, uh, yeah. gate you can actually see cool. you know, the big gate yeah uh, in the, in the scene at the you know when the burning of Atlanta and, right. and uh, um, Clark Gable is, is pulling the horses uh, you can actually tell it's it's the gate for King funny. Kong Awesome. But um, the, the 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 first and the last actual scene with dialogue were the uh, the the very first scene the, the, with the, her and the Tarleton twins. Uh, they shot it, and then Selznick didn't like it, and it was like he saved it for the very last. He shot the scene again wow. at the end after yeah. they shot everything out. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I digressed. No, you're fine. You're fine. We're almost out of time. I, I have uh, one more thing though that I wanted to point out. So, because I thought this was a really interesting statistic. The film, not this part, this part's not that interesting. The film took eight weeks to shoot instead of four, uh -huh. which is what Frank Capra had planned and had budgeted for. He budgeted 400,000 is what the movie house gave him, uh -huh. the Warner Brothers gave him. Turns out they spent over a million dollars. Wow. 1941, 42, 43, they're making this movie. Over a million dollars, and not, I, I did. I should have looked up what that's the equivalent to yeah, of today's. Well, but I, I mean, what's that's the Jack of Warner must have had million. a cat. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know because uh, and then they don't get to release it right for two years. So yeah. he's sitting on this thing that he spent a million dollars on. Yeah, and he can't he can't show it because he's under contract with Broadway guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not good. I tried to look up and I couldn't really find it if this was the most expensive movie made to date at that time. Yeah. Um, I bet, because I, mean, I thought for bucks. sure it would be. Yeah. And, you know, mm. I mean, I don't know how much like The Wizard of Oz cost a couple years before this. Right. But yeah, I, I, I mean, million dollars in 1942, yeah. three is 41, whatever is is crazy right. that's crazy money <laughs> so, all right guys that's uh that's the end of our time um thank you guys for tuning in and listening yeah please join us each week um next week we've got a great movie coming up um a newer movie little um, man tate little man tate um starring jodie foster um diane weist um, um i can't remember harry the boys jr yeah, harry and jr. Um, um but yeah a uh, great movie yeah um so tune in definitely for that like i said we air saturdays at nine and um, and as always, please send in the celebrity photos. Oh, we could use those. Definitely need some of those. We're getting yeah. low on those, and uh, we like to show those each week and uh -huh. and uh, and give a shout out to those people each week. And uh, and that's just a that's just a favorite segment of ours yeah. that we get to do each week. And if we you don't send them in, I've got to bring my family photos in. And nobody wants that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we got to have a. Oh, when I was a child, this is me when I was eight. The Grand Canyon Grand was. <laughs> So, um, all right, well, until next week, then, I will say good night and take care. Bye-bye. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can preview all upcoming OETA Movie Club films at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And please, send your celebrity photos to P.O. Box 14190, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73113, or you can email them to us at oeta.tv forward slash movie club and of course tune in every saturday night at nine and on fridays at 11 we'll see you on the couch every weekend for a great movie and fresh popcorn